0: hello friends this is kirk henderson coming to you after a 127 117 victory over the detroit pistons i'm joined by returning co-host josh bow josh how are you
1: i am good and as you can attest to i'm a little tired but that's okay um well you is good sound to be back. better
0: you sound yeah. great and you look yeah. you look better than the mavericks but just like the mavericks <laughs> sometimes you need a win even when you're tired.
1: Yes. Uh I guess before we get into it, I will say you have been really, I've really appreciated every time it's come up and you've just been like, oh, he's out for personal reasons because I'm pretty private about stuff online. But I will say I was out because I had a baby with me and my wife. Uh, she's healthy and we are good and I am back from paternity leave. And the way I would describe it with like my privacy with this stuff i can get a little crazy is if you guys have seen parks and rec and the episode where ron swanson just shows up in the office with the baby without telling anyone (laughs) uh, that that would be like that would be how i would roll with it but uh like that's how i would do it if i could but you know you you gotta you know it doesn't always work like that well i
0: want to circle back because you did watch the mavs
1: I As did. often
0: as possible.
1: I don't but think I missed a game somehow. I don't
0: think you did either, which was pretty <laughs> incredible. And I, I want to circle back onto some big picture stuff later. And I think maybe we should get into it. We probably should have done a podcast like Monday or Tuesday, but I was tired and so were you. That's yeah. just kind of the nature of this. But let's let's uh, let's go through this Detroit game first. Mm-hmm. So the Mavericks got off to their fairly typical, uh, at least over the last you know the last. Week play, I don't know, eight or nine games where they just look sloppy in the first quarter. They look disinterested. Their defense was bad. There wasn't a lot of communication, and you know they did the really amazing thing where Carlisle, you know, tried to. He just did the Carlisle thing where he said he was going to start. He was like, Ah, nothing's nothing's off the table, and then he starts Dwight Powell in place of Maxie.
1: God, um, of all of the starting lineup combinations, I thought he might tinker with that was not the one I thought. I should have known. <laughs> It's like it's like, you know, you hear all these like mar it's like, oh, there's gonna be somebody amazing on the next Marvel
0: show, a really great cameo, and then it's like like who? Uh, nobody know who that was. It was just it, you know, Dwight Dwight's fine, but he's just he he is who he is at this point. And they put him on Jeremy Grant, who proceeded to go off, which was you know, that was pre preordained. And and then the Mavericks spent a better part of a quarter kind of getting themselves together. The third quarter they really kicked the crap out of the pistons. The fourth quarter, they did okay, and then what happened is what always happens, or at least what tends to happen, at least as far as I can remember, going back to like the late '90s, where the Mavericks give up enough of a lead to make it uncomfortable, and then they they finally put the client they they put the Pistons away late.
1: Yeah, and I think before because I'm I'm not gonna lie, I mean you you heard me in the Slack, I'm not, you know, Kirk, you would say I, I've been pretty level headed about the Mavericks, at least on our pods. I know in Slack some you know that's where the real the heat flies sometimes. Yeah but at in least the Slack re- you
0: have a tendency to say that they're gonna win on games <laughs> where we crap do. kicked out of them. That's I what know. you do. <laughs> I do,
1: I do, I ruin it. But at least on here I think I've been pretty level headed even when the Mavericks have been bad. So like I'm trying to keep my head up uh, after sure. this game because really like like you said, you you just have to win. Like after that Sacramento game Like and you get two days off. Like you just you have to win this. Like there's no excuse. If you lose this game, if basically you lose to two of the worst teams in the NBA back to back, with the most rest you're going to get till the season ends. Like uh, I I don't even want to. That's dark places we would all be going to. Uh, So they had to win and they did. And sometimes like this is kind of how. Like I don't want to say this is always how it goes, but you like to get off. The, the schneid so to speak sometimes it takes a win you know usually you have to win like this it's not always perfect how you imagine in your head you want to see the team fired up and pissed off and you want to see the win by you don't know, want to see them win the f- first quarter by 15 points well when you're playing bad sometimes you just kind of have to ugly you know play through it and, and just find a way to win and that's usually how these losing skids snap and that's kind of what happened tonight so that's okay uh yep. so you know good for the Mavs but man having said that That first quarter was awfully dispiriting, man. Like that was a, I was very dejected uh, watching the Mavericks play that first quarter. That was that was a rough way to start the game. I think we've been having some kind of ongoing
0: discussions about the Mavericks defense, and I just don't know who they are because a lot of what they're doing right now is getting beat on single dribble moves paired with Porzingis being late to the late frequently enough to where I start to question his bona fides. Like this is a guy who used to be able to move. And for the last five or six games, he's looked like the guy that I criticized in early February. Um, I, I just don't understand it. But, you know, when, when your superstars combine for 49 points, 17 rebounds and 13 assists, that was sort of – that was just enough to kind of get them over over the hump. What, what's what been crushing Dallas the last several weeks, uh, I mean, probably, you know, I guess eight, nine games, is that Hardaway has been real bad. Um, uh, Richardson continues his, his season of being bad. And then Brunson just wasn't quite the superstar that he had been for a, a, a pretty good streak.
1: Yeah, they, you said like, it was kind like of like a regression.
0: Just a slight regression. And and you know, then again, and it, it, it just wasn't enough. Like the Mavericks can't sustain if they only have, you know, four real players and then they're kind of plug in and, plug-in and play with with whoever the fifth guy is on the floor at any real time, they just can't sustain like six guys having an off night. And mm-hmm. and that's sort of what's happened, because their three-point shooting has been really down. They're still terrible on wide open shots. And this is just one of these games where they did just enough, and I think that it's best that everybody kind of walk away and really not overthink it. I mean, I want to criticize the defense. <laughs> I want to ask what in the world Richardson is doing playing this much because he's – he. I mean, a, again, single game plus minus. We understand, guys. Don't yell at me too much. But he was the worst guy on the team with plus minus. Negative 14 in 28 minutes. Had some horrendous fouls. And then on, on shooting, I, I pointed this out in the middle of the game. Uh, he is, if you back out the Utah game where he went five for five, he is shooting exactly 30% from three on the year, 60, 66 for 220. That is bad. He's getting better shots than he's ever gotten before. His uh, life, Dallas Basket- probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dallasbasketball.com. I think his name's Grant. I'll have to go look him up. Um, wrote an article today, just like kind of questioning the, the trade and, and, we have enough data now like richardson can't play richardson can't come back next year he he has been awful like Mm -hmm. it's it's there's no other way around it it's wild
1: yeah it's even if you were down on him like i know you know we talked to sixers people uh and we've talked you know we talked to miami people and i i know tim cato had that article where he talked to his uh 76ers counterpart At the athletic and he kind of mentioned how like, you know, it wasn't just the 76ers cramp spacing, there was some hesitancy in his shot and there was, you know, there were some things that were off about him last year in Philly, as kind of a red flag. And, you know, even if you considered all of that, I'm still stunned at his his three point shooting. It's just outrageously bad like you just look at his just go to basketball reference and, and look at his career three-point shooting by season and it's just outrageous the season compared to everything else like even at his worst i think his worst before this season was 34 percent. if he was shooting 34 percent on threes this year i mean that's still not great considering you're playing next to luca but that i mean that changes almost almost how we look at him entirely like it's it's pretty wild uh how much his three-point shooting has gone down but yeah i know you said you don't want to try to lean on the things we want to criticize too much because, you know, the Mavericks needed to get this win. Yeah. I will say, just before, before we move off that, I have to talk about the first quarter. Sure, uh, please do because the, the first Piston, quarter has mattered. This yeah, the, the Pistons shot 64%. Uh, they scored 36 points. And mind you, the Pistons are a very bad team. Uh, they're not trying to win basketball games, I believe. They are tied for the worst record in the NBA with the Timberwolves. That might be, I can't remember if they're the worst team now. Uh, but at least last I looked, the other day they were you know eight you know and they only had eighteen wins. They're very bad, and it, and it's not like a like the Kings are bad too. But at least the Kings have like guys. They're just kind of like a mismanaged team. Like the Kings have like Darren Fox is good and Buddy Heald can shoot threes and and Hal great and you know Harrison Barnes is not horrible. Like the Kings loss was bad, but like I kind of saw it and like it made it like there there was logic to it because there are guys on that roster where you're like oh they can cause problems on, on the right night the detroit does not have a lot of like almost any of those guys besides grant um so for them to shoot 64 percent in the first quarter uh they only made and this is the thing they only made four threes kirk which is probably a lot for them but it's not like it was a cra- you know it's not like one of those oh man well what are you gonna do they're just bombing away they're hitting all these crazy shots from deep they got to the rim at will they forced the mavericks into a zone defense in the first half and even after the zone, they were still getting to the rim. And that's the part, like, everything else, you know, I'm glad the Mavericks recovered. Obviously, Detroit was probably not going to keep it up because they were just playing way over their head. But it wasn't, like, fluky three-point shooting that got the Mavericks in the early hole. They were getting destroyed uh, with no action, just straight-line drive, uh, you know, dribble dribble drives from the top of the key, you know, at the three-point line. And that that's the part that scared me. I'm glad they cleaned it up, but, like, Considering they had two days off, they had yeah. a, a full practice. The way they opened that game, like that's, you know, I don't want to. I'll stop harping on it too much, Kirk. But that was just really, really, really disappointing. Well, you
0: can't give the Detroit Pistons thirty-one free throws. Yeah, it. This is where uh, talk, uh posted something on his Twitter feed today about like, if you look at free throw rate for the opposing team during these losing streaks the Mavericks just get incredibly sloppy and I merc KP the most because it's kind of the the thing that drives me the most crazy. But if you're going to foul a guy, get your money's worth. Stop like the and ones that Dallas allows sometimes are just Mm -hmm. mind boggling. Like who can, you know, get, get the occasional flagrant one because half the time those are not on purpose anyways. It's the, the things that just the, the soft fouling sort of drives me nuts. But what I don't, understand is dallas plays a conservative scheme and still get their ass whipped on (laughs) the way to the rim like how what's an aggressive scheme look like if 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 they're doing more different things in terms of funneling guys because everybody beats every single maverick off the dribble
1: yes yes and it was it it was wild like (laughs) Kirk, the king the Pistons finished this game shooting fifty percent from the floor and forty percent from three. The pist like this team is yeah. eighteen and forty one. Like they scored one hundred seventeen points. Like uh, the Mavericks won. Like a lot of what, how the Mavericks won this game. Like I don't necessarily think it was because like they cleaned things up from the from the the losing stretch. They just ran into a team that was just so bad that they couldn't fully capitalize on the way the Mavericks are playing right now. And, and thankfully, you know, Brunson and Hardaway kind of came back to life. And when those two guys have good games, the Mavericks usually win. So, uh, you know, good on the Mavericks for, for getting back into it. And at least <laughs> in the third quarter, they play with something. But, yeah, I don't know. I have
0: to read this to you. So, as the listeners of our podcast know, like our friends at Locked On Mads wait to hear what the Mavericks have to say, listen to the postgame audio, and then do their show. We're both old and we don't care. Like it's a little bit of call A and column B. Like, I don't like what the Mavericks say, it's just it's it's kind of funneling, whatever. But every now and again, Carlisle says something that's just so laugh out loud funny. We gotta read it on the show. Rick Carlisle on switching Dwight Powell for Maxi Kleba as a starter. I just thought it was the changeup that we needed going forward. We'll see. There's going to be some fluidity with the lineup based on matchups. Well, okay, fine, but what about that first quarter would be what you needed? You got beat by the Pistons. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love Uh, love Carlisle quotes. I know. It's just my favorite. He's such a – I think that the fans that are, like, tired of him don't understand how good of a politician he is. He says nothing while saying a ton. It's amazing.
1: Yes. He knows exactly what he's doing when he's talking to the media. He very He's very, very careful with his word choice. Um, but getting back to, <laughs> yeah, the defense was just not great. And like I said, I mean, when you're playing a zone against one of the worst teams in the NBA and they're still getting to the rim, like you got to do a little bit of soul searching. Uh, but I'm glad they won. And I think I said this on Twitter. I mean, the main differences in the game is Detroit had 13 turnovers, which is not a lot in today's NBA. That's actually... A pretty clean game, all things considered, especially when you consider how bad of a team they are. Mavs had just six. Uh, that's the game to me. Uh, the Mavericks, when you're when the Mavericks, when you have a team that has such a talent advantage like the Mavs did over the Pistons, and you just don't give away the ball and you don't give away possessions and you don't kind of fuel the other team into, into getting easy buckets, you know, through turnover live ball turnovers. It's very hard to get upset, even when you're playing like as you know, I'm just as passive and and bad defense as the Mavericks were playing for most of the night Uh, they just didn't allow the game to get into necessarily a rock fight with Detroit junking up the game and holding on to the ball that much uh, creating those extra possessions for themselves to score taking away potential extra possessions for Detroit to get easy baskets I think that was the key because like imagine this game I mean they only they won by 10 and Detroit shot the ball so well imagine if the Mavericks turned it over 12 times like doubled it like Yep. might be talking about a different game. So I think that was really, that was why they won, I think.
0: Well, I'm pleased that they won because now we can turn <laughs> our attention to two Lakers games, which are bound to upset us in some yes. way, shape, or form.
1: Anthony um, Davis fulfilling your prophecy.
0: Yeah, I can't, I mean, it just felt I'm glad, like, you know, obviously I'd like to see LeBron James play, but for the Mavericks chances of winning, I am not unhappy that he's not playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but But, you know, AD coming back is very frustrating, but he had been out, he I saw a tweet today where he's been out almost as long as the entire off season before what the Lakers had. So that's oh. pretty wild. It was like like nine and a half weeks compared to ten weeks, you know, from like start to finish, which is just kind of nuts to see on paper. But um yeah. Well, before we, before we kind of call it a day, I want to hear, you know, any, or are there, you know, obviously we don't want to give away content because you seem to have been like racking up different things you would like to kind of analyze in the Mavs uh, as you're, as you were on leave. But is there anything like from big picture stuff that you would like to, to talk about before we, before we head out for the evening?
1: Yeah, I guess it's kind of funny. My my time off has basically coincided with the team looking very poorly. <laughs> um, so that's been kind of a bummer. Um, the defense is just, I don't know. The defense is really worrisome. Um, like you said, everyone is getting beat off the dribble with not really complex actions. And then when you combine mm-hmm. that with, you know, Kristaps, you know, Maybe not being all the way there defensively as well, and maybe him slack. Like it's just a recipe for for disaster. Because and because even even if Kristaps was one hundred percent on point these last seven games, the Mavericks defense would still be in trouble because you cannot leave your rim protector out to dry as much as the Mavs have basically done in the, in the last seven seven or eight games. Um, so that's not good. Um, the thing I'm curious about, uh, big picture is kind of what are they going to do with the starting lineup? Because it's funny, they, that the starting, the normal starting lineup and Ricky usually, you know, remember last season, he was toying with the lineup a bunch. And when you think about it, he has not done it this season. Uh, the Mavericks have basically before tonight have only messed with the starting lineup because they got their guys back. Like, you know, Kristaps didn't start the season. Then he came back then the guys get went out with COVID. I think when this roster has been hundred percent healthy, he has rolled with the, the, the Luca Richardson, uh, Finney Smith, Maxi Kristaps lineup. And they're really, he really hasn't budget off of it. So I'm curious if tonight's change allows him is going to open up some flexibility for him to do some things going forward. But like we said, you know, when, the lineup overall is very successful uh, if you look at it from from when they started the lineup till now. But these last seven games, the defensive numbers on it have been really, really poor. I think they're still mm. slightly positive at offensive with the, with the, with the offense, uh, but the defense it's like it's like 120 plus points per 100 possessions with the starting lineup in the last seven or eight games. So that's not good. So I'm just curious if things change. Uh, I don't know how much we need to see. Brunson and Hardaway come into a game and and change the game and change the way a game is going and and get the Mavericks back on track for them to maybe start one of them uh it feels like that's the way this thing is headed but I don't know I I just don't see him benching Richardson just partly because of if you want to get into to the the back backdoor politics about it you know with Richardson having the same agent as Luca and, and all that but right like doesn't it wouldn't it make sense like when you're looking at this team and you're seeing what Richardson's just not giving you on offense like and you see what Hardaway well you know he kind of had the slump, but you see Hardaway and Brunson what they've done all season but for the most part you just think you swap Richardson you put in Brunson or you put in Hardaway and you think that these first quarter terrible starts go away just simply from the fact that they should be able to outscore people in the first quarter but I, I don't know Otherwise, big picture-wise, the thing I keep looking at, and I think I told you about this, in, you know, I always mention it in Slack, is Kristaps' uh, free throw attempts. He had six tonight, which is a lot yep. for him this season. Uh, I think I'm going to write about this, uh, hopefully get it out on the site by next early next week. But, you know, the reason I think people are frustrated with his offense, despite the fact that almost all of his shooting numbers across the board are higher than what they were last season, and he's got a career-high true shooting percentage, It's the fact that his offense is all jumper. Um, He does not take a lot of non jumper, non jump shots. Uh, He's very good when he's at the rim this season, but he just, he's a almost a pure jump shooter and it reflects in his free throw rate. And you look at the data and you look at the tracking uh, stats and you look at how many jump shots he's taking compared to shots at the rim and things like that. And it's, and I think that's what's fueling that that feeling when people might be disappointed with his offense, because when, if your offense is just all jump shots, you know, even the best, you're going to have some cold nights. And I think that's why it feels like he's either got, he's got it going or he's having like a really rough night. Cause I don't think he's good. I don't think he's a good enough jump shooter to have an offensive uh, diet composed almost entirely of jump shots. Um, And so he, they got to find a way to get him more shots at the rim. They got to find a way to get him more free throw attempts Gotta find a way to get him moving with the ball toward the basket, which I think has perked up a little bit in the last week or so. Uh, so we'll see. I think that's something definitely to watch. Like in the playoffs, I'm they cannot expect to, to make a deep run in the playoffs if he is shooting two or three free throws a game. Like they desperately need someone else uh to kind of make some off get some easy, efficient shots besides Brunson, who, you know, we'll have to see how he can play in the playoffs as well
2: yeah
0: it's i mean the k p stuff is is sort of where I've lived for a month because <laughs> yeah. you get these you you look at like the specific things and with post ups he's frankly performing much better on post ups than he did last year. The yeah. mavericks offense out of his post ups are is the points per possession are pretty darn good and uh somebody his name's jim uh, a guy I've been talking with on twitter who who is Sharing lots of KP data with me, essentially is saying it's just like why you know why don't the Mavericks go to this more? And I, I just can't help but wonder it, when they get KP the ball in those situations, they need to either get it to him quickly or not at all. And unfortunately, what happens to and what my eye test is telling me, they get him the ball or they pass it to him kind of at the tail end of the opportunity yes. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. They throw bad passes. That stuff's not on KP, but it's like nope. he might have a three second window where where the ball should needs to go to him, and they give it to him on second three. and that stuff is driving me crazy. He, in general, drives me nuts, but he makes some points in, in terms of his complaints, and I don't know, like Luca takes the brunt of it, but it's really not a Luca thing solely. It is the rest of the team too, like. An NBA high low pass from the logo to Luca on the block like that just doesn't happen that much. the The entry passes to Luca should happen more from the wing, and Brunson, Richardson, Hardaway, none of those guys have any idea how to throw an entry pass. And so, like there, there's just these little things that gunk up the Mavericks offense a little bit because there needs to be a middle ground between making KP feel involved and making KP feel special. If that makes any sense.
1: Yes, it does. Like it's, you you kind of hit the nail on the head. Where obviously, when they kind of grind down their possessions to try to find him or, or to try to highlight and feature him, and they get away from their offense, that's not good uh, in the long run. But when they're running their offense and in the flow of it, and these situations pop up, you have to take like you have to take advantage of it. You just have to like like there's there's no ifs ands or buts about it. Like that's why you're paying him. You know, you just can't go these long stretches where he, you know, there. it would be one thing if it was like, hey, we're force feeding you the ball and it's not working. But these stretches where, you know, he actually, you know, does roll into the basket or he does get a good, uh, you know, clear and in, in, in near the rim and, and gets a good uh, uh, positioning near the basket and they, and they don't take advantage of it. Like, that's just like, they just have to do better. And I'm sure it's it's very identifiable on the tape. But like you said, these guys just not can't seem to throw entry passes. So yeah, uh, that's something to definitely watch for. And one more thing, Kirk, that I'm watching for that's big picture is Dorian Finney Smith and the three-point shooting. Uh he is shooting uh he's shooting six point six attempts per game in April. He's shooting forty-two point four percent on those threes. Uh and it's it's kind of nice. I think Kirk, you've said it a bunch. Like you wanna be at your best at the end of the season, and, yep. and that's kind of what is trending for him. At least offensively, uh, defensively, that's another. Competition. I don't want <laughs> well, to. If he's right going to suck
0: on defense. He can at least hit shots. On shots.
1: offense. Yes, but so. as we've as we've seen, these good teams are putting their centers on Finney Smith, uh, and they're kind of treating him like Tony Allen, uh, like uh, the Warriors did in the playoffs, you know, years back. So for the Mavericks to be six, late, it's so wild to think about that the Mavericks playoff success is like in the hands of Finney Smith because he basically, teams are going to dare him to shoot as many threes as possible. Uh, And he's going to have to take and make them. Like there's, when a team ignores a, a player on the floor that much, you know, if he gets the ball and he hesitates uh, and he doesn't shoot, or if he passes it back, like you just, the defense won and the possession's blown up. Like, So, we'll just see if that can continue. He's doing a great job of it this month, and that's just something to watch for. Like, keep an eye on that and see what happens in the playoffs.
0: Well, Josh, I missed you. I'm glad you're back. I missed you too. Um, So, just so everybody knows in the podcast, I've been doing – obviously, everyone who is listening this far has been, you know – listening to our podcast regularly. I've been doing these locker rooms. If it comes to, when it comes to, to Android, Josh, Josh will be joining. We need to, but in the short term, we're still kind of figuring out our, and I hate to say this out loud because it sounds ridiculous, but we're kind of figuring out our content strategy because I like doing the locker rooms. Um, it's more productive than me, like tweeting stuff. Uh, it's, it's a little more fun and more engaging with our community, but I know I've gotten a fair amount of feedback that it's definitely not for everyone. So, depending on what we do, I'm going to kind of – Josh and I will be podcasting as frequently as we can. Um, Once the world opens back up for real, he and I will still probably podcast because we're parents and we don't do anything. Um, But (laughs) as far as, you know, the locker room stuff, I'm going to figure out when it's appropriate to post it. Because I don't know about you guys, but in terms of, like, audio options, you have a lot. And nothing (laughs) drives me more crazy – than when i'm you know i'm subscribed to a feed and somebody puts out a two-hour podcast i'm like you're you're essentially asking for one twelfth of my day like get over yourself so when i've been stretching (laughs) like the other night i did an hour and 20 minute podcast i didn't actually expect anyone to listen to it i just wanted the people in in the locker room to have the ability to come up and hang out and talk because i think it builds community and you know, as I found out from this more like lots and lots of people watch Mavericks games and have no one in their real lives that they actu- that actually like basketball, even like Dallas people. Oh, um, yeah. And so it's, it's been kind of nice like getting to know and talk to people about, about hoops a little bit. But I have to figure out, like, what's the fine line between overloading people with stuff? Because, you know, I don't want us to, like, turn off listeners because they're like oh they're others putting out crap so we're we're still in the process of figuring this out. Josh and I will eventually figure it out, but maybe not you know this season so I appreciate everybody bearing with us um i've I've really gotten a kick out of the 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 reviews on iTunes if you guys could continue to do that sort of thing, even if it you know, you got to leave a written review, but just go and you know give a star rating. That sort of stuff matters. We get like sixty-five percent of our audience comes comes through uh, iTunes still, which is wild to me. But eventually, I think things will start to grow on Spotify just because that's kind of a dominant platform. But um, before we get on out of here, uh, uh, Josh, do you have any anything else?
1: No, just uh, in terms of like the locker room stuff, that decision kind of made, is made for us because I, like you said, I have an Android phone, so I won't right. be able to to hop onto those so we'll figure out how to like keep those going despite the fact that I won't be able to participate until until they decide to make an app for the most popular uh, mobile OS in the world. Which they will cuz they were bought by Spotify.
0: Like this I is know. happening sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, they will. I'm just being I'm just being flipped. Uh so but we'll see well, yeah, we'll I'm going to try to get back uh, in the saddle and, and write some things. Uh I've basically got Uh, If you're listening to this, you probably sent me a tweet or a direct message about why the Mavericks piss you off. Uh, Mm. I really do want to write that story because the response – I was kind of blown away by the responses I got, like just the amount. And then some of them made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um,
1: And I think it's kind of – I don't know. It's just good because, I mean, Kirk, you know, we've both been very, very online this season. And I think we've seen – people are – people are pretty mad and I'm not necessarily trying to discount their anger. Like, I'm not saying it's not legitimate and it doesn't deserve, like, you know, some of it goes a little overboard, but uh, some of it is, you know, legit. And I think there's some interesting, I think there's interesting reasons why people are mad. It's not like, I don't think a lot of it is aimless. Like people, people have some legitimate feelings about this team and and, uh, I don't want to discount them. And I kind of want to write the story. Like, just just kind of letting people know like why this is happening because it's just been interesting to me like people get really mad when this team loses games sometimes and I kind of just wanted to know why like I have my own personal reasons because I've been there. I get mad online uh, plenty of times, so I just was curious what everyone else thought and it's been it's been fun to see the variety of responses. so I will try to I'm currently curating all of those and I will I will write a story hopefully for next week.
0: Well, with that in mind, uh, I forgot to actually say this. So tomorrow night for the Lakers podcast, I'm going to do or the Lakers post game podcast. with, with I'm going to do one with Harrison Fagan, who is in charge of silver screen and roll. He's an old friend mm-hmm. of mine. Uh, and maybe Josh will have something to write about then. But mm-hmm. he and I will be back probably Saturday night with the Lakers game. Uh, and, and we'll hang out then. So, Josh, this has been great. Thanks, as always.
1: Yeah, it's good to be back. All right,
0: talk to you guys soon. Have a good day. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy, coming to you after the Mavericks outlasted the Pistons in a rather wild offensive display from both teams. Dallas beat the Pistons 127 to 117. If you're listening to this on a podcast, then you already know that Josh Bow has returned from his leave of absence. And if you are listening to this live, he actually uh, was taking a leave of absence because he had his first child. I wanted to give him the opportunity to say that. But now that we're here, we're hanging out. It's a little later than normal. Still trying to figure out our post, uh, our, our back to normal podcast schedule because this all came up right. Uh, locker room all came up right as he was uh, going on leave. So ended up working out well. Um, it's a little later than I wanted it to be, I apologize for that, but that might be the new normal, depending on when we do these. Um, if you guys want to come hang out and talk about the game a little bit, let's do so, because, uh, I don't really know what to say about this one. So, coming up first, uh, he asked to join almost immediately, Sam. What's up, Kirk?
2: Oh, it's, uh, you know, was... win
0: is good, but, you know, not a lot of
4: inspiration yeah, it's just the Pistons, you know, last like one of the worst teams in the NBA. They're trying to tank for Kid Cunningham. Can't blame them.
0: But uh, I don't really know what to take away from that game past I'm really glad they didn't lose. Well, one thing I'm glad about is that
4: Rick made a change at the starting lineup. It was kind of exciting. Was it exciting, though?
0: Because Dwight, Dwight Powell, if Dwight Powell is the answer, then the question is... <laughs>
4: No, because I think Dwight Powell, like he's more, he's athletic, you know he he can do more stuff. The thing, the problem is Maxi can shoot. I think Rick wanted him on the floor so they could run a five out. And but now, I mean, Dwight Powell is is a better, is really good at setting screens. Yes, he's a pretty nice lob threat too. So that's okay, what I'm I like
0: this take. I like this thought because I was not super high on it. I think the offense was at least a little more fluid than it's been in certain games. But the flip side. Of that was Dwight Powell guarding Jeremy Grant, which went interesting. <laughs> I don't really know what to say. Yeah, it was,
4: it's the Pistons. I mean, and then did you also see uh, how Perzingis and Willie Colley Stein all got fouled out. I mean, that's just, and Mason Plumley. These yeah. refs were soft, man. They're just, they're soft.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of weird, you know. There's a lot of like no calls paired with very obvious like touch foul calls. Luca getting, uh, I'm really glad Luca did. Oh get yeah, hurt. on the lob, I was, I mm-hmm. thought he got hurt. I thought he got mm-hmm. like a almost like a Gordon Hayward type injury. Well, if he would have gotten hurt and there wouldn't have been a call, Mark Cuban would have lost his mind, it, and he, he would have been right the to. Floor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Well, uh, well. What so past the start? What what were your other um, you know more interesting takeaways from this game that 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 you'd like to kind of?
4: Jalen Brunson, how he he is literally a point guard that plays like a big man. He doesn't shoot threes, and I don't, he's not that good at shooting threes. But if he's in the paint, I swear there was one possession at the end of the game. He was just going in circles and circles and circles, and just finally got like a pass to Le'Veon for and one I mean, he just. He just spins around in the whole paint.
0: He was a couple of easily missed, like he was mad at himself layup attempts away from being ten of twelve from the floor.
4: <laughs> I mean, he he's, was like he's such a nice finisher. I, I just yeah. like how he can. He's like a he's kind of bulky too for like a point guard. You know,
0: he's put on. If you go look at pictures of him from two years ago, he's a lot thicker through the shoulders. He looks like uh, – he honestly looks like an NFL running back at times.
4: I know. No, that's what I was thinking, too. Like, he's built like a running back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he plays like a running back, too, sometimes. And, and that can be both good it's and fun. bad. Tonight, it was really excellent because – It's it's fun it, to watch, too. It's fun. Oh, right. Because he's a left-handed guy, and then he goes left, and then he keeps going left. And, the and like, defenders seem to not understand that he's going to go left. Like, it, I, I, really, I really enjoy watching him when he's in his bag. I don't. I don't see players do that. Just
4: I, he's he's kind of has his own different play style. He's a 6'3 point guard that plays
0: like a big. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him in person. He is not six three. He's about 6'1. Oh um, yeah. I mean, yeah, my bad. Six one. My, my bad. My bad. <laughs> no, that's impressive. It's,
4: it's You're exactly right. No, it's it's like I just. With the players I always assume the point guard is always 6'3"? I don't sure. know why.
0: No, cuz shorter guys in the NBA don't don't really do that well, but he does. He uses his strength and kind of his leverage paired with his He's got very interesting touch around like 8 to 10 feet. I don't know about you, but whenever he takes like these 10-foot jumpers, I get mad, but then they go in. They, they go like in. Should... It's
4: such a high arc shot, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then if it's at the three-point line,
0: he doesn't make it unless he's in the corner. <laughs> And that's okay. That's okay because he's extended his range a little bit every year. I remember yeah. his rookie year; his three-point to... percentage went up month to month. So there, there's a lot. He's still he's still building on his game.
4: I, I that that year the Mavs drafted pretty well with getting Luca and Jalen in the second round. That that was a steal.
0: I mean, I would argue Brunson's probably their third to fourth best draft pick since 2000. I mean, it's been a while. I mean, he's important. I mean, are we going to count the Dirk trade and like all that? Well, stuff? Dirk was 90. Dirk was 98. So that's why I said since 2000. Oh, yeah, so I'm it's not, like, it was oh like Josh God. Howard, Devin Harris, him and Luca. Like it's, it's kind of in the mix, you know? So, well, I appreciate you coming up. You got anything else before I bring on some more people? um, I was going to mention that.
4: Uh, what was it. What was it about? Oh, uh, okay. I, I got nothing. I got nothing.
0: All right. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming up. I'll see you. All right, coming up next, friend of the program, Dalton Trigg, who is uh, up late in Mississippi. What's up, buddy? Dalton, you can't, you can't not have audio. There we go. I'm there we go. You.
5: <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Kirk? How you I'm well doing? now.
0: I'm well. So Josh came back. He and I talked for like the first time in a month on a podcast, and that was that was nice. And now I'm hopping on talking <laughs> to you. Folks. Well, uh, you know, a win is a win. Uh, I mean. I
5: definitely feel good that they won that game, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not really happy how they won it, giving up 117 points to the worst team in the league, but you know, it is what it is. As bad as they've been lately, any win was going to be like a palate cleanser, so uh, we'll see how they do tomorrow night against the Lakers. But, hey, look, one thing I wanted to point out to you, and I I, I kind of vaguely mentioned it during the game, but I hadn't, I didn't actually look at the stats when I told you this, but I I, I kind of made the remark that Willie Colley Stein <laughs> is the X factor for this team. Okay. Uh, and, you know, he, he came back and, I mean, yeah, he's chaotic and he makes some dumb plays every now and then. But overall he's been a positive impact player from like an ad- advanced stats perspective. And tonight was like the <laughs> – it, it really showcased that because in 13 minutes – He had an an individual offensive rating of 120.8, an individual defensive rating of 73.1. So that is a net rating of 47.8 in 13 minutes. And it showed on the court because they increased their lead in that time. And then, you know, once KP came back in, I mean, you know, he he didn't have a terrible game. Uh, But, you know, it just seems like uh, the advanced stats just don't favor KP as much as they do you know other players. So
0: well, the the what I'm hearing from you is that Willie colley Stein is is 2018 Dwight Powell, uh, who was a, yeah. a advanced stats super freak, which is why the Mavericks have have really hung on to him for this long, even though no one seems to really like him. But I, I like he did. You know he did well in limited minutes in the first half. I thought Luca was going to kill him because Luca kept serving him, <laughs> and he just wouldn't <laughs> do anything with the ball. But you know there are benefits to being, you know, winning the genetic lottery, being seven foot one and and just being nimble as all get out. I mean, there he, he you know, I know Nerlens Noel got the, the the Tyson Chandler starter kit thing from Fish like a hundred years ago, but I really like 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 Willie Collie Stein when he's like playing at his peak. Get, like a, he's just got that frame that build. He does some interesting things like that, and one that he got to kind of really help seal the game, just showed like the, the sort of level of athleticism not even get the shot off. I just I wish he was a little, I just wish he played with more force.
5: Well, it's, it's not just that, but, you know, his lateral movement is so much better than KP's. Like, the, the defense overall just seems to play better with him on the court because he's not, you know, guys can't get by him super easily. Well, you know, bigger guys can overpower him, but uh, as far as, like, getting by him, he's pretty quick. His lateral movement is pretty good, and Uh, I'm glad to have him back because he had basically taken all of Dwight Powell's minutes before he uh, was out with the NBA uh, COVID protocol stuff, and so now he's just kind of getting his conditioning back and – it's good to have him back. I'm, I'm glad to see him have some, have some success, and I think he can make a difference come playoff
0: time. Well, I'm glad to have him back in the sense, if you look at the box score, the Mavericks actually played 10 dudes, which that has not been a regular right. occurrence in a while. <laughs> so it was – and some of that was necessity because of fouls and whatnot, but it just – it felt good to just see not everybody get burned to the ground for once because the Mavericks play the Lakers tomorrow night and then they play the Lakers Saturday, so they're going to need some legs.
5: Well, I'm 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 very worried, Kirk, because <laughs> Maxi he might not be playing tomorrow night, and they're gonna have Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond, uh, Montrez Harrell, and I don't know if Marcus Gasol is back from his injury thing or not. But I mean, that's just that's gonna be a front court nightmare.
0: <laughs> it, it, it could no, it could be, but you know, I like Tim Hardaway started to break his slump a little bit. Like, there's I see some I see some pass for the Mavs. I mean. I have to wake up at like four thirty the next morning, so like I'm going to be mad regardless tomorrow night. So it's it's really, you know, we, the Mavs might as well win. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But uh, thank you for hanging out. If you want to hang up on, yeah. hang out here with me. I'm going to bring up uh, one of our one of our recurring guests uh, who is just an excellent on the pod, Xavier. What's happening, my man?
6: What's going on, Kirk? Can you guys hear yep, me? Yep, You sound great. Perfect. All right, so some, I have reached out to to you on Twitter earlier, but something that I kind of wanted to explore was kind of like, um, not a, necessarily. It's not about tonight's game. There's nothing that we learned in tonight's sure. game that really is important moving forward, but more so, something that stuck with me when we were laughing about, you know, us clamoring for Harrison Barnes, and the feedback I got in the chat from you was like, you know, we traded him for cash space, but we didn't use it. But if I remember correctly, I think that's the off season that. I think our number one priority was Kemba. He ended up choosing Boston over us. And I know that option number two was Danny Green. And I know that we offered him more money than the Lakers, but obviously he thought he had a better chance winning a championship um, with the Lakers. And, you know, he won a ring, so congrats to him. But when you look at the two things that people often say we, we need is, A, a playmaker, and then B a three and D wing. So I think the front office did a good job of identifying the types of players that we needed that off season. But ultimately, somebody has to agree to take your money. So in retrospect, again, we can say, hey, we didn't spend that cash space on anybody. But have we, you know, that Kemba contract is looking. A little funny in the light right now. I don't think Boston could trade him for any sort of assets. And then Danny Green, honestly, I wish – I've always been a Danny Green fan, so it would have been nice for him to take our money. But, you know, it was between us and the Lakers, and he chose the Lakers. But I think the front the front office had the right sort of targets in mind that offseason. So, again, I think in retrospect and in hindsight, we can criticize him. But I think if either guy had taken our money, I don't think the fan base would be saying, you know, what we've been saying about, you know, the inactivity that year.
0: Well, what I what I really wanted it more for was anything past the body was just having the salary to move. And because it's not my money to spend, I'm happy to spend Mark Cuban's money. And I feel okay about that. It's 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 a moral plus for me to spend Mark Cuban's money in my mind. And where where that really frustrated me in the long term was just it, it we saw that in in the off season, or I'm sorry, this trade deadline where Dallas just didn't have much to do. They're really kind of pigeonholed in because they have X amount of contracts, and then the guys that they they could trade, you're really you know it's it's six of one or half dozen of the other. And so I I I do understand that opinion, and I think there's a there's a lot of merit to it. It's just I wish that the Mavericks were associated with like fifteen free agents immediately. And instead, what we hear is they're zoned in on, like, three dudes. And then if they miss out on those guys, then it doesn't – then we get situations like that one where they end up with DeLon Wright and and holding the bag, and that was kind of what, what the main pitch was. That's probably the, the biggest criticism. And it's it's hard to be a criticism because, again, we don't know what we don't know. And there could have been discussions. I would like to think that that at a certain point, the reporting would have occurred where we would have heard about who else they talked to, but I think the Mavericks tend to kind of view free agency as a little more binary than it is, and that, I think, is is the thing that just drives me nuts because, I mean, you know, Bo, who's the Utah Bogdanovich? How do you say his first name, Dalton? I, I always mess him. I get him confused. It's Probably racist of me to confuse Europeans. Um, but Boyan? No. That sounds right. Whichever. The other Bogdanovich. Um, the, the Mavs, like, didn't even go after him, and he would have been money on this team. So it's like that sort of stuff just drives me nuts. And, uh, but,
6: you know, I'm – I'm, And then lastly, before I go, so I guess I'm curious what your thoughts on Timmy are because I feel like Timmy oftentimes he bails us out. You know, in a lot of games where the offense is stagnant, he'll just step up and he'll hit, you know, some good shots for us. But I imagine he's going to command somewhere around sixteen to eighteen million dollars a year. Do you feel comfortable walking away from him, or do you at that price? Or what are your thoughts on possibly resigning him? Or do you think he's more like an option B if we strike out with all the other prominent free agents, however few mm-hmm. might be out there? This is this is tough
0: because I think it was Tyler Adams who sent me a DM today, essentially saying. You know what if the Heat and the Mavs just sort of switched up their pain in the ass shooters, <laughs> like the different guys that are available on the free agency market. Like with Timmy, it's just so like like he's just he's the epitome of sports for me. Where I he I, I hate him so much when he's awful, and then when he's on, it's just joy, like injection of what the fuck just happened type stuff because. I mean, the man takes shots, and then that are out of this world. And then this year, he he's like dunk contest Tim Hardaway Jr. And I just I, I can't get over some of the athleticism he displays. So it's it's very difficult for me. I will say that they they need to be careful with what they do with him because he is he is a an X factor and very important. And if they were to lose his shooting and not replace it with anybody next year, would was- Agreed. Well, thanks for hanging out, man. If you want to hang out up here on stage, you're welcome to. Otherwise, I'm going to bring on some more folks.
6: Yeah, I'll be I'll be here. All right.
0: Coming up next, Matt
2: Phillips. How you doing, Matt? Uh, hey. So I have a random stat for you now. In uh, six games that uh, Christoph Porzingis has at least four assists, we are now six and zero oh, with an Great average of, with an average margin of victory of eighteen points a game. Great stat. Pass the ball, KP. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it it really is. It's kind of random. I was looking it up when it was going. And then also, this was Luka's first 10-rebound game since March 15th, which mm. which I know that seems like not that big a deal for a point guard not to have rebounds in that time, but over those 16 games, he's averaged 6.8 rebounds a game, which given how much we depend on him to rebound is not all that great. Hmm. I'm going to have to send that stat to the crazy Hawks
0: guy who is convinced that Maxi Kleba doesn't get rebounds. So Luca can get more. Um, yeah. that's a really interesting one. I, I found his rebounding. His rebound seems to be sort of an engine for him because he pushes faster when he gets the board. When he doesn't, he likes to kind of walk and survey, but there are instances tonight where he just went full bore. And I think we've talked about pace a number of times. I believe as Luca gets in better shape over the years, hopefully he will want to play it a slightly faster.
2: Absolutely. Um, I love it when he runs. Like, I remember specifically the Magic game was the fastest tempo I've seen him play it, where he just looked like he was pushing a lot. I actually felt like he definitely ate his Wheaties today. I mean, obviously he had the dunk. It scared me to death when they tried to throw the alley-oop to him, and he got fouled, and I thought he was hurt for a minute. But that's uh, more explosive than he generally plays. Um, It was – I mean, like I said, I'm happy with the win. This is one of the things, like, I know it wasn't the prettiest win or anything. But assuming we play everyone tomorrow, probably not Maxi, but assuming we play Luka and KP tomorrow and everything, I'm happy. I'm always happy when we win because I think one of our mistakes is we think that we're good enough to worry about style points, and we're just not (laughs) –
0: yeah. Yeah. They need to notch these ones. Cause I'm looking at the, uh, I'm, I've been scoreboard watching while we've been talking and the Grizzlies are keeping pace with the Clippers, the nuggets and trailblazers are tied. I feel good about the nuggets just cause the trailblazers are, uh, are regressing just so, um, you know, you, you kind of go through the West. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen Joel and beads near full court game tying shot, it's one of the more incredible misses I've seen in my lifetime. Um, you know, there's just opportunities for the Mavericks to to notch. And granted, there has been, repeatedly, throughout the month of April, opportunities for them to climb the standings. And we just kind of got to walk away with one of these. They, they need to figure out something if they don't want to play in the play-in. And, and I don't know. I feel I don't feel great, but I, I, I'm, you know, better than being in here and, you know, just like freaking out over a loss.
2: Oh, absolutely. And one thing, too, I will add on the Tim Hardaway Jr. thing. I think he's going to get more money than y'all do. Um, yeah, I not too. The side side. but one of the things with him that he brings this year more so than last year is really on this team. There are exactly three people who can do anything off the dribble and they are Luca yeah. Brunson and him. Like we do not have another perimeter player who can do And Like I complain a lot about us not being dynamic and not moving and everything. If, if we replaced him, with like, if we lose him and just get, say, I don't think he's free agent, but like a vexingly of Wayne Ellington, for example, or someone else who is mostly a standstill shooter and a moderately decent defender, then that's even more of the just give Luca the ball and run pick and rolls, and then the three other people stand in their designated spots and just hope that it
6: works. And I understand hey, Matt. doing that too. Yes, sir. Well, no, I actually, I think you bring up a great point. I was going to say, and I think right now I've identified who I would love to master the sign, and I think it's Spencer Dinwoody. I think that if we can get him on a somewhat reasonable contract with him coming off the ACL, he's that type of big-bodied creator off the dribble that I think would be a great compliment to Lucas. So I'm curious what the chat thinks about Spencer Dinwoody. I don't think Lonzo's the creator. I mean he's a great passer but not necessarily great at getting his own shot. But then what he's a guy that can run the offense with Lucas on the bench and he's a he's a good enough forty percent three point shooter to kinda of play off ball with Luca at the same time. So I'm curious what you what you think about him.
2: Off the top of my head, Spencer's not a good shooter, is he? Like he's like a 31, 32. like he's like a Josh Richardson shooter. A Josh like, a scorer, though. Yeah, like, no, uh, I, the, the like, off-the-dribble yeah. type stuff, if if that's what...
6: Some creativity. Yeah, no, like, and remember, like he that. was forced to kind of run that offense for the Nets during those down years when they really stunk. So I don't know if that's a true depiction of what his actual ability as an sh- outside shooter on when he was kind of forced to take ugly shots for that Nets scene before they got good.
2: Oh, no, I, I, I like the idea. I like Spencer as a player. One of the issues I have is that I think... I think one of the things is we don't want to have a super small player because we want small people to have to guard Luca, or yeah. Create another mismatch, and one of the issues with that is is that the kind of guys like the Delon Wright, your Josh Richardson, people like, and I think Spencer fits in the same basic player archetype. I think he's better than either one of them, but I think it's the same player archetype. I don't think those guys fit as well with Luca in in practice as we think they do in reality. I think that if you're gonna have the secondary ball handler with Luca, it needs to be somebody who is who is quicker, like one of the smaller jitterbug type players, like and I mean Jalen's not a crazy good athlete, so I don't even think he really counts as one of those, but he's much closer. The guys who are can get the ball and go score. The the big the other big point guards are generally also going to be slow moving, methodical and things like that. Whereas you just don't have enough time with the ball when you play with Luca to be that kind of secondary player. You need it, to be it, a guy who is super dynamic and quick, and catches the ball and goes, and it's pretty much why big point yeah. Goran,
0: Goran Dragic would have, and it's not just because they were countrymen. Like Goran Dragic is the kind of like Chris Paul, like they're they're just dudes that exist that that fit this. And 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 I don't know if there are any on the market. It's tough. They they're really in an interesting position this year. They're going to have to figure out something and 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 in, in order to move forward.
2: Well, one of the things I think they can do, and I think they've kind of started to do it a little bit this year. One of the issues with Luca, and um, this is a much bigger topic, is that, that we run into is that Luca takes the touches of both an apex wing score and of a pure point guard that runs the offense so much. And so that ends up, that's why he has so many touches slash time of possession is because generally you have one person that does one and one person that does the other. Mm-hmm. And because he does both, it's like even if you had, if he's just a scorer, which when they have Jalen in the game, Luca honestly plays more like a three that is an, an apex wing scorer than he does as a point guard. And so if you think about it too, one of our big issues is that we don't have wings. If you play right. Jalen at point with Luca, then that makes it, I mean, it's kind of Robin Peter to pay Paul, but we no longer have an, a wing issue because if you're starting Luca as a wing, then wing goes from a weakness to a strength.
6: Yep. Um, but but not, but he but he's not good enough defensively to where you really want him to be on the winning right.
0: system. You get you, some... in... it's actually...
6: you want yeah. them to be capable of either defending threes and twos or physical enough to defend threes and fours. But Luka, you're just hoping to hide him on the uh, you know on the fourth or fifth best player on you know on the other team and i think you know I, and I do agree with what you say i i think one thing you know people always say you know lucas 21 how could he possibly get better and obviously we can look at his percentage as a three-point shooter but i think if he can learn how to cut and play off of somebody and kind of move off ball i think that's how he takes his game to the next well, he can that's that's the, I- that's the dirty secret he
0: didn't do this when he was in Europe. He was the rookie on a team of old dudes and was essentially the Kyrie Irving to LeBron James in the 2016 finals. He was that role. And they they need to find somebody that can make the case that he shouldn't have the ball this much. Um, and, and they just haven't done that. And that's what's a little bit uh, – it's, it's just such a challenge because – you know, that was kind of the argument for why they went for Giannis is, is if they had Giannis, Giannis would kind of play the point forward and Luca would be handling the ball this, this much. And they'd be able to do this sort of, you know, crazy, scary basketball. But I, I just don't know. He's so fouls are called differently here. He has more space. He gets to the rim more as much as it doesn't seem like it this year. And so he he's just so good that now the Mavericks kind of have a challenge on their hands and saying, all right, How do we get the ball out of your hands to where you don't do this stuff? And Brunson, like when Brunson brings a ball up the floor, the options for Brunson are either he goes and scores himself or he finds Luca at the three-point line. Like there's no creativity in the plays. And I'm not sure if that's because Brunson just doesn't really run the stuff. The Mavericks don't have it out yet. Or if it's like, you know, because what Luca wants to do is kind of a paramount and, and, He's got a lot of sway in the organization and it's it's something that will eventually become more of a story. Yeah,
6: And I mean, you can't, I don't think you can rely on Jaden to consistently beat his man off to dribble. Um, I mean, there's certain types of players that he thrives against, but those longer, more physical guys, I don't, you know, I think he struggles, so I don't think you can really depend on that. And I saw in the, in the chat Christian said, you don't need to hide Luka. I disagree. I think that in that Spurs game, we saw DeRozan just absolutely abuse him. And I think especially in a playoff setting to where it's more matchup-based, they're going to absolutely target Luka every time down the floor. So in the regular season, I don't think that's an accurate representation of what's going to happen come playoff time when they're going to specifically try to, try to um, expose him. And especially so, if you have him guarding wings, he's, he's going to get his lunch ate.
2: On that... On that note about Luka's defense, I think Luka has basically reverse. uh, He has reverse switchability, which is you can put Luka on pretty much the worst player one through four and feel completely fine. Like there are very few power forwards, Luka is incredibly strong. I, there's very few power forwards that I feel really bad about him on. Now I will say this: during the regular season, he's not—he's not a particularly good defender. He's basically a young version of old LeBron in that he just conserves energy on defense and he really doesn't play defense most of the time, except for in short bursts when he wants to. But when he wants to, and he showed in the playoffs last year, this—and this is going to sound absolutely insane—Luke is a better defender than Dorian Finney-Smith when he wants to be. Like he just is. He's—he's he's so strong. He. I mean, and I know that eyebrows off.
6: (laughs) That was a hot take. (laughs) I I,
0: I like it. No, I like it because Dorian gets beat on single dribble moves all the time. Luca is a chunk. And when dudes
2: hit him in the chest, he doesn't move. And that's one of the things is, I mean, like that really is like I I said it going into the playoffs last year that if we didn't put Maxi on Kawhi, I really thought our second best defender on Kawhi was Luca. And I I know how hot of a take it is. I know how ridiculous it sounds, and and I get why people don't think that. But when you look at guys like that that aren't super explosive, whatever, like Kawhi's game, for example, is he's just going to get to his spot and overpower most players to get there. And he doesn't overpower Luka. And also, one of the things about star power is that people have – learned throughout the years for instance Tim Duncan learned this is that star power is actually not just for drawing fouls you get away with more stuff if you are a star like Mm. and yes I I like that like that's one of the things is and that's one of the reasons why it's such a huge advantage to have a star be a good defender is because when you get to the playoffs you can I mean they can defend more and they get away with a lot watch some of the Lakers plays last year and they are like a lot of their and one of the big things is is the difference between great physical defense and stupid touch fouls is whether or not it gets called. I mean, that's just true. Yeah, if I, you, watch, if you watch Andre in his, in his peak Golden State years, he committed 25 fouls a game and sure. he didn't get called. <laughs>
0: who's who's the dude from Memphis that just rode Luca like he was a friggin' Dylan bicycle? Brooks. Bro, Brooks does the same stuff. Just yeah. – He's so yeah. good with his body and his feet that the 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 refs don't know what to call because, you know, he fouls so often, but he's just so consistent with how he plays. <laughs>
2: yeah, so. and that's one of the things. I mean, it's Kirk Heinrich used to be on the Bulls. If you watch the Bulls back in the Kirk Heinrich era, like he fouled on every play. And they were big proponents of – I mean, it's one of the things they teach you when you're little is if you foul on every pos- – they can't call all of them. I mean, because yeah, at did. some point, and. I mean, I don't want to go too far off into the rest because I complain about them enough. But I really do think – I'm not concerned about Luke, and That's one of the things that I was excited about about watching them in the playoffs last year is – and I mean, like, he had a few breakdowns, and you're going to. But for the most part, he's not a defensive negative when he wants to be in the playoffs. And he's shown in short stretches, like, even in the fourth quarter against the Grizzlies the – or not against the Grizzlies, against – uh. Yes. No, there have been multiple instances. I know what you're talking yeah. about because
0: he, he blocked – John Morant yeah sort of saved the game he just he's good at staying in front of people when he's really really focused but he's just not in good enough cardio shape to be able to do it for you know 30 minutes yeah and And he
2: very I think he very clearly has made up his mind there are times when he's like I'm just not gonna play that hard right now he's like my offense is gonna be I'm gonna shoot some step back jumpers my my defense is gonna be I'm gonna kind of stand here and turn around and you know just look around and be like hey why didn't you block this shot behind me but we've seen it in short spurts when he wants to he's a very good lateral athlete like p3 had one of the things about that with the stopping and all mm-hmm. of that like he moves when he wants to he's not super athletic vertically but he's more athletic vertically than people think and he's yeah. just a giant wing he's super yeah. strong and so he's a good, I've, I'm good team gonna...
6: defender as well if you notice yeah. he's a lot better at making the right rotations um so he's a he improves the overall team defense. So I agree. And a lot of that is just effort. I think it's just understanding yeah. the game and effort and actually wanting to close out on shooters, wanting to rotate, you know, to the um to the to the appropriate guy. So I agree. I I think he's he's passable. I wouldn't say he's a net positive. I just say he's not a net negative, I think. Yeah. He's, you know, he's not he's not a trade Young-level defender. And, of course, as he gets his stamina up to where, you know, he can share the workload on offense, I think you'll see him more willing to kind of, you know, hanker down on and, you know. Yeah,
2: and and one of the things with that is because of his vers- – like I said, he's he's basically reverse versatile. Like, you know, young LeBron could guard all five positions and yada, yada, yada all that. Like, it's not that you want Luka. You're just saying, hey, we're putting him on a best score anywhere. But there's any game – like in any one possession or two possession thing, there's no one that you see and you're just like, oh, this is a five alarm fire. We've got to get him off of this person. Like sure. because he gets matched up on bad stuff, and but he's enough in the middle that even when he gets on big guys. Like I remember a few possessions against Portland where he's on Canner, who and he boxed out Canner, who's one of the strongest offensive rebounders in the league. I mean, he just boxed him out, and we have no one else on our team that can do that. Well, before something that stands out and will always stand
0: out was when uh, Oklahoma City went and played Real Madrid and he was sixteen and Luca wanted to guard Westbrook there's there's something there in like the what you want to do and and you know may, he'll take more pride in it as he gets older. Um, one thing he really needs to take more pride in is the damn haircuts he gets. Uh, the game has started again on on TV and I'm looking at this man's haircut and he needs
2: help. KP takes <laughs> enough pride in his haircuts for both of them.
0: They're well, good. I mean, I mean, KP's haircut's different. Like like he uh, uh what was the movie where the dude uh, KP looks like a villain out of a 1950s boarding school movie where like what's the one where the dudes stand on the desks at the end of the at the end of it, oh captain my captain. Like uh, yeah, KP's yeah, hair yeah. just kills me. I don't I don't know what what's happening there. Look, but, um it but
6: he looks kind of Nazi. <laughs>
0: Honestly. I wasn't going to say what's,
6: it, but he does. What's that it's movie with, uh, with Brad Pitt? He looks like yes. that. Oh, God. In Glorious, oh, Bastards. That Glorious, Glorious Society. Bastards. Thank you. Correct. That's, yeah. it and then, and like
0: then like it. Glorious Bastards. Yes. Yeah. It, well, yeah. Uh, I need to know what Luca's stats are when he's wearing, like, neon shoes, because he just looked faster tonight. But, okay, we've been rambling for a while. I'm going to bring on a couple more folks, if you guys don't mind. Thanks for hanging out. Absolutely. I was, Appreciate it, guys. All right, um, coming up next, we have Mark, who's been waiting forever. Hi, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Hit that unmute button if you're still here. That's okay, Mark. Uh, try to come back up in a little bit, and I
3: will invite you back on. All right, uh, coming up next,
0: Jordan, what do you got?
3: Hey, uh, so first things first, I desperately need more uh, Luca or not Luca and uh, JJ Reddick. Yeah. But I need a more KP and JJ Reddick minutes. Okay. Because those actions, uh, you could just see, like, the Pistons were, like, wetting their pants on defense every time they would do a handoff because they had no clue what was going to happen. And so I need more of those minutes. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, obviously Luca out there, too, helps. It's just way much more fun to watch Luca pass to JJ Reddick than uh, do. Sure. So, uh, but I, I think that if we have uh, Reddick and KP together, I think that's going to be a pretty good way to get both of them going offensively. I wonder if
0: they're holding back on the Reddick minutes. I, I, I Carlisle is just such a. I've mentioned this before, but I'm I'm like a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I'm I'm pretty certain that that. Carl does this this whole Milton Berle act of of just the tip, and and I'm way too old. i no nobody in this chat gets that reference except for probably uh, Doug, but it, it's it's just so it, the Mavericks like hold things back, and and I think Redick. Should, I mean, I'm at the point, and, and I know Isaac Harris has said this too on Locked On Maps. I'm at the point where Reddick should start, like even if he only plays Agreed. 15 minutes, he just gives a dynamic. Like there was a one late. Second, it was a first half. It was a pick and roll though, where where Porzingis you know dives and actually rolls to the hoop for once in his life, and Luca passes through to the far side for Richardson, who clanged a three. And I'm of the opinion if the far side on that is JJ Redick as opposed to Richardson, then KP gets a free dunk. And because right now yes. he's just like, like KP's just covered by two dudes, and and Richardson's
3: terrible. So I don't understand some of this. I totally agree. Um, I was also uh, had a friend of mine post that at the uh, two-thirds of the season mark, so that was the 13th, that Dorian Finney-Smith was exactly average for all scorers across across the league. He was exactly average. Well, since then, we've had four games, and his true shooting percentage, since uh, he was told he was average – is now uh, 69.7% true shooting. That seems good. So uh, I feel like we should keep telling him that he is now above average, so he should just keep going.
0: I mean, his offensive play, like his defense has slipped a little bit, but he's countered it by being like bananas on offense. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic.
3: I'm really delighted. Um, As far as first quarters go, this is one of the things that confuses me. Sure. How has Rick Carlisle not killed someone? Like, I get so frustrated watching it, and I know how, like, just the way that he treated, like, even Dennis Smith when he would do dumb things. Like, I'm just surprised that Richardson keeps getting minutes. Sure. I I, I don't understand it. it.
0: There's some, there's got to be some notion of, like, helping a guy place play through a slump but what if your slump is now fit like 57 games or whatever the heck the Mavericks are at like I don't
3: get it it's nuts yeah I've I've never seen him have this long of a leash with anyone like even it feels like this is a longer leash than he had for Wes Matthews and Wes Matthews Mm -hmm. was at least playing better defense than Richardson
0: absolutely absolutely I don't get it either it's got to be something political Pat or something in the sense of they just want him to try to figure it out because if if we all remember the preseason, I mean, he looked great. He looked great yes. and it's just been downhill ever since. Mhm. So. Well, thanks for coming up, Jordan. You got anything else? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right, man. Appreciate you. Have a good night. You too. All right, coming up next, Christian. Christian, what's happening? Hey, what's up, Kirk? How you doing? Oh, I'm tired. I should go soon, but that's okay. We'll hang out.
7: Yeah. I mean, it's only nine twenty-one here, and I'm tired, so, you know, I, I feel for you. But uh, I was going to say, you know, overall, you know, it's not a, not a game I'm jumping for joy about other than the win. Uh, did some better things. I think, you know, the defense has been atrocious, and playing more zone I think uh, could largely be beneficial. Um, but I think, you know, it's clear that this – team just isn't good enough to really uh, make noise in the playoffs. Um, So I I think really, you know, the options have really shrunk on uh, free agency and this front office really, really needs to, you know, be thinking for quite some time, but especially now, uh, especially with the date set, how they're going to be creative in ultimately bringing some real talent in here. And, you know, I think I, I have a fear, not that it wouldn't benefit the team, you know, we'd get better if we're able to bring just like, you know, three really good solid uh, players like a McDermott, McConnell, like some of these, you know, more rotation kind of guys. But I hope we can figure out a way to get a sign-in trade in place for someone like either Collins or Lonzo or, you know, even just signing DeRozan outright. Um, But, like, a third piece where it's like, I mean, I guess you can exclude Lonzo to an extent, but just you know you're going to get at least, like, 18 points a game from that person. Right. And I think – we need to take some of that pressure off. And I think, you know, what you guys were just talking about right now uh, with JJ being in the lineup with both Luca and KP, like you can see when Reddick, you know, is running around on the offensive end, like people are flying trying to catch up to him, uh, trying to double him on the pick and rolls or trap him right there. But I just think you add Luca and KP, Uh, on the court with him and do that you can really uh spark the offense in a way just by kind of creating some confusion and some open looks so I certainly hope we do that like this wasn't even a horrible game uh from Josh Richardson we've suffered through enough of those already but I you know we just have to do something different uh with this starting lineup and I don't think I was hoping for Dwight Powell to be in over, you know, Josh Richardson being out.
0: Right. Well, we'll see what they do.
7: I I, I'm still somewhat convinced that
0: the right playing basketball well at the right time is just more important than like the big picture stuff. And, let's say they're a seven or a six seed and they play whoever is at the two or the three seed and they go in and they surprise with a win. Like basketball is just such a confidence game. And Luka Doncic is the ultimate terrifying X factor. Like guys don't want to play against him. And like he, him and Dame, LeBron, like there's just very few guys that are on that list of, of, of absolute stone cold killers that guys don't want to run into. I'd love to put like Jokic and Embiid and, and up there, but big guys just have a different sort of level since they don't get, they don't, you know, the ball is not necessarily theirs all the time. But I like the thoughts, man. You got anything else for your head on out?
7: Uh, No, I mean, I, I agree. And to be honest, like obviously more than anything, I want the Mavs out of the play-in and you know, I'd be able to enjoy the play in a bit more just because I'm not worrying that we can get knocked out, especially with how we've been playing lately. But I also think a game against, you know, if the Warriors come up to eighth and the war uh the Blazers fall down to seventh, who wouldn't want to see a game uh, between Dame and Steph and then hopefully the ninth and tenth seeds could be uh memphis and the pelicans so we get to sure. see the two youngsters i just think that would be a lot of fun and a lot of relief on our end knowing we don't have to play in that stupid playing tournament but
0: we'll, we'll you. see man we'll see yeah as always and you know as of as of this uh very moment the there's been a few minutes but the nuggets escaped against the blazers beating them 106 to 105 so now the mavs are a half game out of uh Half game out of five hundred uh or not five hundred half game out of six all right last guy could bring up is a friend of the program Doug Doug, what's happening hey kirk how are you doing
8: i'm uh I'm doing good, you know this is the kind of win you you go there's nothing too terribly impressive, but uh it's just good to be back on the w side and uh, so for that uh it's you know that's it's good leading into the the games against the lakers um yep. you know i think one of the things that i i still i'm i'm still wondering and you and you know there's just the mention of you know starting jj i don't think that rick is going to do that but i, I, it, I the unfortunate thing is i think that might be the best move to unlock some things uh with that starting lineup yeah um, and and unfortunately uh you're also not going to um, do you, know, you're probably not going to put Brunson in there just because of the, uh, you know, how the roster is constructed. Um, and so there, there's just so many just obstacles in the way of all that. But, uh, I, I really wish that, uh, the, the possibility would be that JJ would be able to, to start because I do think that there's, there's definitely some things that would happen there.
0: You know, Carlisle loves his gamemanship so much that it wouldn't shock me if he'd bust that out at, like, game one of the playoffs or something. Uh, Matt earlier was talking about Carlisle's – what was it, Matt? One of y'all were talking about Carlisle's kind of sticking to to a, a lineup this year, which is not what he did last year. Maybe that was Josh on our podcast earlier. This is a problem with talking to, like, 35 people <laughs> in that lineup. I forget who says what. But but Carlisle really – you know, he's stuck to lineups this year, and I'm not sure he, he, he hasn't really – he last year didn't do that at all so it's just he it strikes me as a kind of thing where it's like oh we're going to do that now deal with it and and see what happens so we'll see well i definitely
8: think that he has stuck with richardson you know to the point you have to believe that he is he's taking the approach of trying to let him play through it um, thousand percent and and the other part is that if you move him out of that Then what are what are your combinations on as far as in that second unit or later in the game? And so it just kind of there there's just such a weird dynamic with the 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 roster and the rotations that almost almost restrict some of that movement that should be very natural. I mean, I I I'd I'd love to see um, Brunson play more with Luca, but it it Mm -hmm. just makes more sense uh, for a lot of their minutes to be split apart. And, and then, you know, put them back together. seems like they're, they're doing a whole lot in the fourth quarter, but they're not playing a whole lot in the first three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, I don't know. They get a, I sometimes maybe over assume of what, what's going on with Carlisle, but We'll see. I mean, they just the roster has just such limitations that by f- solving one problem, they often create two more, and that's sort of the thing that you have to avoid. You know, with the team that's built on paper, they they look a lot better than they are. But basketball is not played under ideal circumstances, and you know we're we're going to see that tomorrow night against the Lakers as as the Mavericks you know go against them with probably a limited amount of front court guys. And, and I, I bet. Can, go ahead.
8: Oh, no, I was just going to say, and, and as much as, uh, you know, I love the fact that, that Dorian can fill some different roles, but not having a really solid three is is definitely something that, that hurts the Mavs. I mean, if you had a Dylan Brooks, if you had a Mick Hall Bridges, if you had any of those types of players at the three, boy, you're talking about changing things. Uh, and that's, that's – I, I don't know that there's anybody out there that they can get in free agency, but, boy, I would love – for that position to get a serious upgrade.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Well, and we're gonna see about all that in a hurry because, as as anybody who's paid attention to the calendar kind of notes, the uh, that stuff starts happening real quick. You know, we'll have a. I'm just exhausted. I took over this 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 wonderful hilarious blog uh, like four days before the president decided to like tell everybody we're shutting down for a while, and then <laughs> basketball. And then, like now, basketballs come back. It's like I feel like we're gonna have like three seasons in like two years. So it's because the, the like they'll go back to a normal playing schedule next year. But nice part about that is we'll actually get some time off because I don't really think that they're you know this might be the last two day break we have. There's just games all the time. So yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out. You got anything else? No,
8: that's it. Go go ahead and go to bed, Kirk. You 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 you've more than put in your time.
0: Oh, I got another hour. I mean, my, my wife just just, just <laughs> subtweeted me on Twitter where, where she's showing Luca's girlfriend is asking for another dog, and, and she just said Luca's girlfriend and I are in the same boat because she hasn't gotten into new dog in seven years. Well, it's because <laughs> our dog is a – you guys have seen my dog. He's – He's a friggin' uh, dire wolf. I can't have another one of those. Oh, my. <laughs> All right, folks. This has been fun. Josh and I will be back. No, never mind. I'm doing uh, a post-game pod tomorrow night with Harrison Fagan of Silver Screen and Roll, and then we'll probably do one of these uh, again just because I'm a madman and I like talking to you guys. Uh, so expect that notification a little earlier, uh, or, or at least I hope that it'll be a little earlier, but we'll <laughs> hang out again. Uh, so enjoy, I guess tomorrow's Thursday and then we will, uh, we'll hang out tomorrow night. Everybody, uh, thanks for, uh, hanging
7: out as always. Be good.